we're going to talk about the spirit of David. The spirit of David <clears throat> as reflected in his writings. So I felt I could go to the Psalms and get an understanding of what his spirit, uh, what do we mean when we say that. It's not just something to say. It's not just something to say or something to uh, talk about or sing about, but I think it's a real reflection of what a, a good um, child of God, a good servant of God, a minister of God, a leader of God's people, uh, all of the facets of David's calling that we see expressed in the word of God, I think... <clears throat> His spirit is a reflection of that and from his writings, especially his writings in the Psalms, we get a good flavor uh, for what uh, his spirit was like. What type of a person was he? Uh, he's bigger than his mistakes. We all know that and we say it but sometimes that's the first thing we think about. We think about David that's kind of like stands out in many people's minds but if you look closely you know anybody can look at faults. It takes a real uh, person to look at good things about people to find uh, what God sees in people not things we make up that are nice about people but find what God's reflection is <clears throat> in individuals and in David we see a reflection of God and, and the way that God knows him and the way that he knows the Lord. Uh, in any relationship, there must be a foundation. There's got to be a basis uh, and a, a foundation for relationship. Hopefully, it's a good foundation. And it's a pure foundation because if a, if you have a relationship built on a good foundation, a pure foundation, it'll stand. If there are some things in a relationship that the foundation isn't sturdy, those things are going to shake. And, they, you know, hopefully the relationship lasts through the shaking. You know, and they get it on solid ground. Uh, I know in, in many of our relationships uh, um, uh, before we knew the Lord, uh, they were built on, you know, foolish things. You know, who, who was cool and who wasn't cool or who was nice looking and who wasn't nice looking and who uh, was going somewhere in life. And, you know, usually if people are going somewhere. If you like cool people, you don't want to be around them. You know, <laughs> you find your own little group. That you feel you feel a, a call to, or you feel a kinship with, but uh, you know the people who are going somewhere don't have time for cool people and so forth and so on. But uh, you know you find your 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 footing. You find people who like what you like. You hang around them and you build your relationships. But when you come to to uh, Christ, you find that relationships need a solid foundation. Uh, they have to be built on the rock, Christ Jesus. We talk about that. Built on the word and, and uh, what God has done in your life. What he's planning to do in your life. Uh, so many things depend <coughs> on you're being obedient to God. Whether or not people will uh, help you, hinder you, or cause you totally to fail. You know, and so there are some relationships that uh, God just doesn't want us involved in because He doesn't envision that relationship in our overall call and our overall picture. Uh, marriages are different. If you're already married, stay married. If you're not married, you better pray 
that if there's somebody for you, they line up with what God <laughs> has for you. Uh, or you'll be a, a person that, that throws it all away oftentimes for what you think you want at that time. It's amazing. The devil likes to keep blinders on your mind so you don't see certain things about yourself and about others. And it's kind of like when he's gotten your foot in the snare, then he pulls the blinders off and you begin to see people uh, the way they really are. And see, by that time, oftentimes it's too late. You're already, uh, till death do you, partly involved with them. And so don't take that lightly. Consider it uh, um uh, an honorable thing before God and always hold marriage in high esteem and high honor you know uh, so many times <clears throat> people take marriage as a it's, it's really nothing more than legalized fornication with a lot of people it's fornication with a piece of paper and it has nothing to do with the love of God and all of that because they're too quick to want to end it when things go wrong so there's nothing honorable there and so you want to always hold uh, relationships especially marriage in high esteem Bible talks about marriage as a mystery and it's being unfolded as we live and it's being and it will be fully revealed uh, at the marriage supper of the Lamb and so we won't really know the underst and understand that mystery until God reveals it totally to us so right now we're living in a shadow of relationship with God when you live with a, a spouse in a marriage and, and that prepares you hopefully for uh, knowledge uh, with God unless he calls you otherwise so so it's a good thing to hold these um, uh, sacraments what we call sacraments and vows in high esteem <clears throat> before the Lord and so uh, when we talk about um, David, uh, the spirit of David and being a man who pursued the heart of God, when he says, he, this is a man after my heart, what he says is he's pursuing me so that I can reveal myself to him. And so how many of you know when you hunger and thirst for righteousness, you'll be filled. You hunger and thirst for other things, you'll always be hungry. But if you hunger and thirst for righteousness, you will be filled. And so God... Um, uh, had a relationship with David where David understood who God was, understood who he was. And his understanding of God was the foundation of his relationship. At the, at the very core of that foundation was David's understanding that God is a good God. Yes. That it, and it, it, it really um, it kind of it, it, when you think about it that that revelation was so hidden from the people even God's people you know a lot of Christians thought he was a mean God he was a, and then Oral Roberts came out and said God is a good God and it was like they'd never heard that before and people fought him oh he's not good he's you know he's this he's that the other is you know then we started opening up the Bible more and we find it all over the word of God so in Psalm 118 verse 1 we see a psalm of thanksgiving says oh give thanks unto the Lord for he is good because his mercy endures forever so this seems to be a refrain throughout this psalm or a hook <laughs> you know <laughs> because and usually it was a responsive reading or responsive psalm and that the um, uh, the priest would talk about God and the people 
people would say for his mercy endures forever so it was something that was a confession of God's people he is good and his mercy endures forever what that means is that God never gets tired of us you cannot wear him out his mercy endures forever his mercy is everlasting and so when you think about the goodness of God why would we go anywhere else (laughs) for comfort for protection for encouragement for whatever why would we go anywhere else and so his mercy endures forever he said let them that fear the Lord say and the people would say that his mercy endures forever so it looks like this was kind of like a cheer for you know and uh, in verse 3 says let Aaron's people say and let the people say and let the people say and let the people say you got me and kind of like we would do in a setting of people where we wanted everybody to confess and to know that his mercy endures forever in verse 8 he says it's better to trust in the Lord than to put confidence in man I don't care what man tells you is going to happen for you you don't put your confidence in man I can remember my husband would tell me he was going to do things. I said, Lord, please let it be so. You got me? (laughs) Because God's mercy in there. You know, you just don't. Because why? People are human. They'll disappoint you. And you're human. Sometimes we expect too much. Mm -hmm. You know, some people look at you and know you high maintenance. But they love you anyway, you know, and that gonna stop them from loving you. This, well, I'm gonna need some help here. I'm gonna need some help here. I'm gonna <laughs> it's just true. And so before she had one of the meltdowns, and then they really don't know what to do with that. <laughs> he says. He talks about how God, how he had enemies. And this is something David, the heart of a warrior, always will speak to God's deliverance from the hand of enemies. And it wasn't so much that David was paranoid or everybody hated him. or But in the position that he was in, this is something we have to learn how to identify with as God's people and embrace it and accept it. That you're a foreigner here. You're a righteous person and you're attempting to live in an unrighteous place. And so if you will learn how to trust God in these things, know that his mercy endures forever. You won't have to go around complaining about how Christians are being so persecuted. You understand what I'm saying? You you have the means to do something about it. There are some people who have a right to speak those things because they're doing things to fight that persecution. You got me? But just complainers have no right to just sit around and speak like that. Because to do that means to give the enemy power even over God. And so we have to be careful that we always put our confidence in God because his mercy endures forever. And he says in verse 14, the Lord is my strength and my song. It's God who makes me sing. I don't sing for 
for the you know the uh, attention of man I don't sing because it gets me attention I don't sing to please people but it is the Lord who has given me my song he is my song and he has become my salvation man and so God he knows God in a great way and in, in we have one of our favorite scriptures, I shall not die but live and declare the works of the Lord. So the Lord is my life and my light. So David was sold on the goodness of God. That I, I believe his foundation came as a result of knowing the goodness of God. Not just talking about it, not just hearing other people, but he had intimate knowledge of God's goodness. He he knew that as a shepherd, the lives of the sheep would be in jeopardy. And he was the one who stood between the sheep and the wolf, the sheep and any predator that came. And he was willing to lay down his life for the sheep. But he saw that God was good and gave him power over the predator that was trying to steal the sheep. And I think that's so important for shepherds to understand that is an overseer over God's people and I mean that for for as believers as believers have the uh, power as shepherds you have the power to gather certain people uh, to you to disciple and to share Christ with them that kind of stuff but you have power over the enemy who would try and come and devour that person that's that's reaching out to God and and you have to trust God through these things consider it an honor that God considers you trustworthy to help him to guard over his flock because God's people are pre- precious to him people period are precious to God once they're blood bought they're even more precious because he's jealous over us and he'll fight for us so he says <clears throat> verse 24 this is the day which the Lord hath made I will rejoice and be glad in it Amen. I will be rejoice and be glad in it send now prosperity you can ask God to send things to you now see people who know their God will be honest with him if you need it now you ask for it now got me if you don't need it now don't try to push him around with your you know, understand what I'm saying just just God we, we need this like yesterday God is uh, the Lord which has showed us light bind the sacrifice with cords even to the horns of the altar in other words give give God what to do him he's given us all these things we need to be willing to make sacrifices to him we need to be willing to come and worship him we need to be willing uh, to do all of these things and not take God so casually this we've met God the real God the true and the living God let's give everything that we have over to him and he ends with saying just like he did at the beginning oh give thanks unto the Lord for he is good for his mercy endures forever it's good that at the beginning of a conversation and at the end you can still come up with the same conclusion about God you understand what I'm saying it didn't change with all the circumstances in between and it's the same thing with God's love for us his love doesn't change with all our circumstances in between you got me and so he still loves us and that goodness of God forms a great foundation 
for our relationship with God and our life in God. He's a good God. You don't have to run from him when you do things wrong. You don't have to try and cover it up and make excuses and always have something to say. You know, you can you can admit your faults. Why? Because they're not on you. <laughs> Amen. Roll them over on the Lord. That's what he's there for. Your faults aren't on you anymore. All you have to do is embrace it. Look at it and say, you know what? I shouldn't have done that. I should have done this over here. I see now my mistake. Lord, thank you for pointing me out to it. I'll do better next time. I know that's right. You understand it's a growing process. It's a learning process. You're not here to show everybody how wonderful you are. You're here to serve God. Uh, we don't care how wonderful you are. Huh? We're not impressed with your wonderfulness. Huh? We're impressed with the God that you serve. What, what do we? What do you know about God that's peeking through in all that wonderfulness that you have? Huh? So that's what we're here for. We're here to point people to the living God. And we don't live shabbily. We don't live beneath where we're supposed to live. We live in constant fellowship with the living God. That's what we live for. We live for our fellowship with God. And we live to, to be his glory. And I think this is the other thing that we uh, we sometimes don't focus on a lot in in life. We're the outshining of God. We're the glory of Him. We're what He. We're His showpiece in the earth. We're what He shows to the world to so they can get to know something about Him. We all have our different facets. We have facets of God's character in him you know for the person who's maybe a continual backslider uh, there's some glory there at least you know you don't get killed when you mess up 15 times because that brother's still living you got me i mean you can learn from anybody who any child of god you understand what i'm saying Uh, let's just be real here folks Uh, we're not in some contest to try and outshine each other there's no sibling rivalry in this house there's enough devils out here to fight that we don't have to fight each other and we don't have to try to shame each other and outdo each other but we want people to come forth as what god wants them to be you got me there's a shining forth in each and every one of us that the other person may hold the key for you in coming forth that way we come together as a body every part is very important no part is less or more important than the other parts you got me some are more uh more up front i guess you would say some work behind the scenes and and do great things i had always told god i don't care what he told me to do i'd be glad to do it and i still feel that way Uh, you know i don't get moved by stuff because stuff goes away you know it's it's sad when you see people that that where their stuff goes away and all they have is a remembrance of the way things used to be and how they used to do things and wish they could get it back again well they'll never get it back because they're too stuck on stuff you know my word to them is get stuck on god stuff won't matter it won't you know devil beats people up you know when they say ministers that used to have a big entourage and had a big budget and you know all of a sudden they start living real life again and then all they can think about is getting it back getting it you don't get it back because it was never yours to begin with it's on loan to you now what the word tells us you brought nothing in you can't take anything out it's all on loan you got me? 
Your name is on it, but it's on loan to you. They have nothing. I dare you to try to take all your stuff with you when you leave here. <laughs> huh? You don't own anything. It's on loan to you. But you'll see people fight over things like it really belongs to them. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Well, you know, God is good. He's good to everybody. And he he has a system in place where if you are faithful to him, he will be faithful to you. He will entrust to your stewardship more things that belong to him. The earth is the Lord's and everything in it. The people, everything that dwells, everything belongs to God. But he will allow us lordship and stewardship over certain things according to our faithfulness to him. He's not going to possess anything. Many times people when when they're uh, 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 when they've lived their lives and they're ready to leave the earth, they have a hard time trying to figure out who can I give this to to manage it. You know, you know, you look at little Johnny and he's taking your pulse every five minutes to see. That's <laughs> the old man. Uh. Oh, he can pick it up. Well, it's not time yet, you know, and uh, you know that kind of thing because you want uh, someone to be a proper steward over it. And the truth is that many wealthy families only keep it a couple of generations. You know, they don't. The wealth doesn't live very long. Why? It belongs to God. Now you can you can leave it to people, but trust me, if they're not faithful to God, they're not going to keep it. And so it it just everybody kind of starts from scratch. You know what I'm saying? I mean, you can give them a little bit of an advantage, but it's very hard to impart to them the things that they need to know so that they can be successful. You know, like the one who creates the wealth was successful. And so uh, we, we can't take anything with us. Uh, it all belongs to God. We know that. And so, but God still is a good God and his mercy endures forever. He will always look at us with an eye toward restoring, forgiving, restoring, rebuilding, getting us straight, getting us right. Most people get impatient with what they want from God because they don't understand the maturity process. They don't understand what God's trying to do in them. And then they'll start to desire something long before it's time for them to require it. And so God wants them to be just heirs. You know, we got a story about the prodigal son, you know, and, and that shows you there's a level of maturity that has to come before we can be his glory and his outshining. Where we can go out into the world and know that we can hold it together for God and won't fall apart. That we won't get, there's not something lurking uh, in the shadows in our hearts that we love Almost as much as God. You know, it's like two good racehorses running neck and neck sometimes. You know, sometimes I want to quit doing what I'm doing and go off and do this or something. You know, understand what I'm saying? And so that we have to be confident in our love for God. And be confident in that. David, as mature as he was, he, you know, for a man who lived through that trouble with Saul running from him and stayed close to God, stayed in the love of God, stayed patient uh, before the Lord. He didn't try to usurp uh, the authority and the position of the anointing uh, and take it from another man, but it didn't 
bother him too much to take another man's life once he got entangled with his wife and so there are some things folks that that the love of God will prevent us from from falling into but then there are some things that are just snares of the enemy they have nothing to do with maturity or immaturity sometimes you just have to fight it and hold on to God in order to stay faithful to the Lord you got to know how to work with God in all kind of different ways and so but still know that we serve a good God and his mercy endures forever so if you'll turn over so we're going to talk about some areas that David the spirit of David uh, uh, we knew some we some attributes of his spirit the number one is his love for God we talked about his foundation because he believed in the goodness of God. You got to have a foundation for your relationship with God. You got to know that he's a good God. David had a love for God. So we're going to talk about his love and that's in Psalm 42. Of course there are many more examples but this was one that I found that I thought I wanted to share with you. He says as the heart or the deer pants after the water brooks so my soul pants after you O God he's talking to God he says like a a deer pants after the water you know deers are frightful animals they run they dart here and there and when they have run themselves out then they start looking for water sometimes they don't know how far they've run away from the source of water so then they have to get to a place where they finally find it Uh, their lifestyle is uh, to always be on the alert because they're in a hostile environment Uh, there are all kinds of predators if it's not uh, other animal predators it's hunters it's you know everything and so deers are always on the alert they're number one they're beautiful animals they're very lean animals and they're hunted for their meat <clears throat> by man and by beast and so they may run a long time without uh, water and so that's what David is likening himself to God I've been working for you I've been doing what you told me to do but I'm out of gas you know I'm I'm like a deer panting now I've gone way too long without having time with you way too long without having worship or fellowship with you way too long Lord and he says my soul thirsts for God for the living God so it's his soul that's thirsting for God it's his see his emotions need God his mind needs God his thoughts need God his his soul is thirsting for God I don't think people really understand how important it is to spend that time meditating on the word and renewing your your mind in the word of God allowing that word to soak through your brain you know for lack of a better term you know you have your brain uh, brined or have your brain marinated in the word of God to make it tender to the things of God you know it's all appropriate to, to think about it that way. And I think if we understand how important 
it is to have our desires checked, our souls free to worship God, our souls free from torment and fear and worry and all of the things that can assault your soul. Uh, when those things start to assault your soul, the only thing that's going to help you is to reflect on the goodness of God. You just need to break away from all of that stuff and go and drink the word of the Lord and, and get that thirst quenched. You know, worry is just a sign of, of thirsty soul. Your soul is thirsting for God. And we don't know it. We think we're supposed to solve all our problems. We got to figure out an answer. And no matter how many times we know it's not going to work out right. You know, we still go and try and pursue, I always say, the empty corridors of our minds. You know, there was nothing in there the last time you checked. Nothing in there unless you put some word in there. Nothing good in there this time. And so he says that he's thirsting for God. He said for the living God. In other words, I don't want religion. I don't want somebody's steps and formulas. Somebody else's so-called revelation that's going to revolutionize my life. Huh? Isn't that what we do sometimes? We think we've got it. Here's somebody else's revelation on something. Nothing revolution. God's not going to let that happen for you. He's not, he's not even going to let what he taught another human being capture you like that. Are you kidding me? God's jealous. He's not, gonna, he's not even going to let it sink in. You can listen all you want to. Oh, faith cometh by hearing. Yeah, but faith is the spirit of God. It's not a thing. It's a person. He wants to reveal that to you and make it alive to you. He'll do it. I mean, faith is a quickening thing. It's not something that faith comes. So you can repeat that all you want to, but you're not mooching nothing off God. <laughs> you're going to have to take the giver and the gift. Wouldn't that the problem sometimes? We want the results. We want the fruit. We want, we want the gift but not the giver. Because we know when we get the giver. It's gonna, we're scared there's going to be something that comes that we're not going to like. We're not going to like the demand that's made or something. You know. You see all these people. Uh, I call them trolling Facebook. Looking for revelation from God. Because they don't go to church. I think one day I'll just post something. All y'all that keep pressing like on everybody's thing. Get up and go to church. And get a real relationship with God. This is not relationship. <laughs> uh, if God came in for real. They'd be scared. You know. Upset. Where'd he come from? I was, I was getting mine from so and so. So, you know, second hand. He doesn't have any stepchildren, grandchildren. He's got children. We're all children, not steps and grands and nieces and nephews. So we have to have that father to child relationship with God. So he says, he says for, he says, when shall I come to church? That's what verse 2 says. When, when can I get to church? When am I going to be in church next? So when shall I appear before the Lord? In the congregation. That's what he's talking about. When, when is it going to be time for the next service? Huh? He says, my see, and you know what? You know why that falls on deaf ears? Because we live a life of dragging ourselves from one place to the next. You're not any more excited about going to church than you're about going to your job, about going to anything else. 
Because we've allowed the enemy to take the excitement out of the one thing that should be something that we know is going to help us. We know it's going to be life changing. You know, we get too casual about things. We get too everyday about them. We get too comfortable just putting God in a category where he's always going to be there. We're going to go do our time and then go home. You understand what I'm saying, and so we we you you have to you have to understand that your soul is thirsting for Him. You know, every time we get together, it could be a new experience for all of us. It doesn't have to be the the same old same old. You know, if you you diligently listen for what God has for you, you know, and and go for it. Just put it all out there. God, whatever you have for me. I'm so hungry for you. I've been dragging all week long. Even if I've been having a good week, my soul is still thirsting for you, God. I'm I'm panting after you because I know nothing else is going to satisfy. Nothing else is going to satisfy. We want God to come through for you. You want God to reveal himself to you. You want something from God that's going to help you to get rid of this thirst. To help you to settle. To help you to not be concerned about your future or whatever it is that makes you concerned from time to time. You, You want something to take care of that. To put you in a place where, uh, you know, it, it. Those thoughts of concern are so far removed from you that they can't grab you every time that you, you know, you have some some trouble or you every time you're alone or every time, you know, thoughts won't get you and and nail you down like they like to. So you want to get in in the congregation of God where you can get a life changing something. You know, God, if I could get as much of you as I could take. This stuff would stay far from me and I could grow and I could prosper and I could be be all you want me to be. I can be a better witness for you. I could be a more glorious Christian if I can get that. And he said, when shall I appear? He said, I'm thirsting for the living God. I want God to bring me some life. I want the real thing. I don't want somebody to read me or nothing. I don't want to listen to nothing else. I don't want to try to get lulled into something. I want the living God. Come and bring your life to me, God. He says, my tears have been my meat day and night. While they continually say to me, where is your God? Oh, here he's being persecuted. People are telling telling him his God is not going to show up. Sometimes situations get the advantage of us. We wonder. Now, when is it going to turn around for me? When is it going to be different? When is it, you know, he said, when I remember these things, I pour out my soul in me. For I had gone with the multitude, I went to the house of God with the voice of joy and praise, with the multitude that kept the holidays or kept the holy day. He says, why are you cast down, O my soul? Here, sometimes things burden you, you don't even know what it is, how it got there, why it won't move. That's where he's at. He says, why are you disquieted in me? There's a stirring in his soul that's, that's troublesome to him. He said, hope in God. He says, for I shall yet praise him. Well, he's got the answer. He doesn't want to do it, but he's got the answer. He says, 
This is my soul trying to challenge me. Not to challenge it to come out of this. Huh? My, my own soul is against me. It's making a strong challenge against me. Not to come out of this, this darkness that my soul is in. It's trying to keep me bound and hindered. Keep me away from God. He says, I shall yet praise him. For the help of his countenance. In other words, when God shines on me, when God does something for me, it takes away all this stuff in my soul. When I can get closer to God, if I can see his face, if I can get a word from him, if I can get encouragement from him. I was thinking about the times where we've had, you know, the accurate prophets that we've had recently. You know, I praise God that that's an answer to prayer. We prayed that for so many years for accurate prophecy and and for, uh, you know, people, uh, prophets to be more accepted. Because when we started this ministry, uh, you know, we weren't, we still aren't in a lot of places, uh, you know, and, and it. It reminds me of when people come to the altar and they get the accurate prophecy. You got me? And it becomes, you see the face of God. He finally shines on you. And these questions that have hounded you for such a long time now, it becomes clear. See, you've been doing everything God told you to do. You've been as faithful as you can be. And yet, there's no fruit coming forth from your efforts. You know, and then finally, he's the help of your continence. You got me? He, he will help you to get to where you need to be. He says, oh my God, my soul is cast down within me. Therefore, I re- will remember you from the land of Jordan. In all of these places, he says, if I can just get my mind back into the times where God was merciful to me, where the times where I was in joy with God, and the times where I was, and forget about these problems. Forget about the bills. Forget about the people. Forget about the job. If I could just stay in a place where I was with God when he was blessing me and life was easy and things were, you know, Back in the day, <laughs> I noticed that the, the old timers, I call them old timers in the ministry. We all, about everybody, everybody, all about old timers. But you know, we would sit around, now we sit around and talk about the old. Remember, remember Chuck when we used to do so and so and so and that? Remember when we went, yeah, remember, you know? Remember you can go somewhere and barely have enough money to to get there and God would bless you and it was life changing and, and then you realize God wanted you to go with more you know so you could bless the meeting but you're so hungry for God you just were you know when you're a young Christian everything is about you you know it all revolves around you and you getting what you need from God etc etc so he talks about that and he says deep calleth unto deep at the noise of your water spouts all the waves and billows are gone over me in other words I'm just overwhelmed with the greatness of God he said but I'm still calling out to you in my smallness I'm calling out to my great big God and I I know that I'm small in comparison he says yet the Lord will command his loving kindness in the daytime And in the night his song shall be with me and my prayer unto the God of my life. He's the God of your life. You can't live without him. He take himself away from you. You 
will you be worse than dried up you know why because there's nothing worse than having had an experience with something and then have it removed from you you got me if you had no experience with God you wouldn't have anything you wouldn't be missing anything but to for, to lose God after walking with him and, and having fellowship and him being your life and all that kind of stuff and he says I will say unto the God my rock, why have you forgotten me? Why do I go mourning because of the oppression of my enemies? So here's a person with trouble or problems. He said, why am I mourning about this? You're bigger than me. You're, you command everything. You're a great God. Why is this the way things are? And he says in verse 11, why are you cast down on my soul? And why are you disquieted within me? He says, you better hope in God. See, this is somebody having a conversation with themselves. That's the best conversation to have. Is one that turns you turns your hope to God. See, don't ever have a conversation with yourself where it's hopeless. Always in that conversation with hope in God. He says, I will yet praise him who is the health of my countenance and my God. In other words, God is the one who makes my face to shine. He's the one who causes me to dwell in safety. He he will change. See, what goes on in your head affects your face. He will change the condition of your soul. So he is the health of your countenance. So he will cause your faith. That's how people can tell you're in hell. When you are witness for Christ, people look at you. They look at your face and they can tell there's something different about you. There was uh, Sheree always <laughs> tells the uh, her testimony about how she met, I think it's Gretchen, the little lady that... Oh, you gotta get in here. You gotta get in here. Yeah, yeah. Give, yeah. She goes on the. She works at the car wash, and she holds up signs with the younger girls. Gretchen got to be my age, and she's out there uh, holding up signs. And she was. She had gone somewhere. I forget where Gretchen went. With she went to live with some relatives out west, like Arizona or something. And we hadn't heard from her. And when we finally did hear from her I think she called Pastor Shirley oh Pastor Shirley oh, oh I never thought I'd hear your voice again oh, no, 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 no. I need prayer and she was she's somebody she was living with was in witchcraft and she was trying to pray against it and she was getting sick and all this stuff so we prayed for Gretchen and she said and I just think about your prayers and Max prayers and we go huh <laughs> Oh, see, Mac is her boss at the car wash, so she don't know the difference. You know, I think about your. That's oh, the only thing that kept me going. Oh, oh my goodness, Gretchen, come on now. <laughs> so anyway, we said, okay, Gretchen, God bless you. Sure. So when she got back, uh, you know, Sheree was was saying, she said, I remember when I first met you, Miss Gretchen. We can't let you go. And she said that when she met Gretchen, Sheree was interviewing her she works at a hospital and i think at that time gretchen i think gretchen had cancer at that time and uh she uh when they met she said gretchen followed her around the hospital what church do you go to i can tell it's on your face you can't help god that's the presence of god i see that i see that what church do you go to so gretchen followed her around until she finally brought her <laughs> to the meetings and you know she said it right in front of sheree's supervisor who was in there so sheree's always Things she'd go get in trouble and that kind of stuff. So anyway, she was able later to take Gretchen aside and share some things with her. But, you know, it's just one of those things where in uh, your countenance reflects the presence of God. 
your countenance shows that God, you know, that you have relationship, his presence, that you have a, a love relationship with God. You know, your countenance shows that you belong to somebody. You're not around here uh, just sailing around looking confused and waiting for somebody to give you some attention. You know, you're, you're, you belong and you have a purpose in life. And so he begins to tell his soul to get in hope. And that's a great thing. And okay, so just hope in God, you know, just keep your keep your bearings here. We're, we're going to make it through. And, uh, you know, and so in the period of waiting, even in the Old Testament, you know, the writer is alluding to the fact that you don't have to let your problems show on your face. You don't have to let everything that you're going through be made obvious uh, your hope can be in God and your way into him is through praise he said I will yet praise him in other words the devil's trying to stop me from praising God he's trying to stop me from believing getting back to my foundation that God is a good God he's a great God uh, he's good all the time goodness is his character it's not he's good to us he's a good God goodness is his character uh, he's got goodness in him and that's all that's in him mm -hmm. and so once you understand what that goodness means to you you you'll be quick to run to God you know you'll hasten to the throne of God you'll be there on the ready you'll go to him quick and go to him first and go to him for all things and at all times you'll go to him for relief from oppression uh, of the enemy all those things you know will happen when your hope is in God and he says I will yet praise him even though my soul is cast down you know I don't like the fact that I'm discouraged about something I don't like the fact that I'm worried about something and so I will yet praise God and that's the way out is to praise you don't wait for the Holy Spirit to hit you and make you praise God you you release that it's in you all the time it's the fruit of your lips the things that we say should should reflect the goodness of God you know, we shouldn't be complainers we shouldn't worry one run around wondering uh, about one thing or another we should be securing God our hope should be totally in the Lord somebody nudge my little friend there and wake him up a little bit praise the Lord I don't want you to miss anything we know you're here <laughs> yeah move your hands so we'll know you're alive we want to take your pulse take his pulse ah he's still with us he's still with us praise the Lord amen yeah we don't want you to miss anything praise God all right so the next thing we know about when you know that God is a good God you'll want to worship him you want to spend time with him Worship is, is what connects us to God and allows the freedom of God. We, uh, it allows God to freely experience us and allows us to freely experience him. That comes across in worship. Even though worship can be done in a congregational setting, it can be done in a personal setting. It's not supposed to be something that happens here and there. But it is a spirit that we carry upon ourselves. And it was it's one that David carried uh, at all times. Uh, in Psalm 29, <clears throat> starting in verse 1, he says, Give unto the Lord, O ye mighty. 
Okay? I don't care how big you are. How great you are. So David is calling upon people who view themselves as got it all together. Don't really need God. He says, give unto the Lord, you mighty men, glory and strength. Give him honor. Give God the glory that's due him. There's a certain amount of praise and glory and accolade that is due to God. And you'll know it when he does things for you. That's when you know it the best. Because you have firsthand experience that what happened for you was not your doing. It came out of the goodness of God. It came because he favored you. He loves you. He looked down upon you. He had mercy upon you. He knew you couldn't do it for yourself. He knew you couldn't help yourself. And he had mercy upon you. And so this is the glory that's due him. He, he did something for you. He said give him, give him the glory due his name. And worship him the beauty of holiness. So David... He, he, David had this thing about him that when we talk about give God glory and give him honor. David never went, he went there with the aspect of giving God what's due him. He never went there with the thought of I got to get something. I need, I got to, that's just, that's just wrong. It's impolite. It's, uh, (laughs) you know, it's not elegant for lack of a better word. You know, it's not dignified. Um, You go there with the understanding of presenting. David never went to God empty handed. I said I will not give to God that which cost me nothing. Huh? He, He wanted to let it, you know, let that sacrifice be felt in him some way that this doesn't belong to me. You got me? Uh, this has got to cost me something to give God honor. Other than that, it's just leftovers, you know, that we're giving him. It's things that we, after we picked over everything, can't use anything that's left. We, that's not honor. See, that's not what's due him. There is a certain honor that's due God. The first of things is due him. The first fruits of things is due him. That, that's the honor we're to give God. Because you start picking around it and pretty soon you won't give him. That's not honorable. That's wrong to think of him that way. You know, if you're a brand new Christian and you don't know anything, you're just selfish and you're in it for you and you're scared you won't get anything and you're scared of this and scared of that, then, you know, maybe God will accept those things. You know, it's like your kids, you know, they can't buy you decent gifts. So if they do a little cut out and paste it up, it, you love it because that was that's what's due you. That came from them and it reflected something in their hearts. But if there's something else in your heart and you're motivated to give God out of that something else, then that needs to be corrected. We need to understand that there are certain things that are due God. He, he's just because he's God. 
We honor him in a certain way. You can't just honor him any old kind of way. You have to honor him in a certain kind of way. It's, or it's not really acceptable. It's not right. And so there are certain things that are due him. He says, give unto the Lord all you mighty people that think you got it together and you know it all. And you know, you, you don't have to do this no more. You don't have to, again, God are buddies and we like this and all, you know, you, you people. Give him what's due him. Give him the glory. Do his name. And worship him in the beauty of holiness. Not in your your way. Worship him his way. <laughs> Got it? And there's a beauty in worshiping God. In holiness. You know, you, you have to do these things. I think somebody gave David, uh, wanted to give him a field or something. He said, no, I'll pay for it. You know, you don't give me anything. I'm going to offer this to God. I Don't give me anything free to give God. You know, I got to pay for this. I will not give to God that which costs me nothing. He's a good God. He's due honor. He's due glory. He's done magnificent things for me in my life. He's given me everything. You know, I started out with nothing. You know, I mean, seriously, nothing. I remember having an old word processor. I started, I wrote Minister Grud on an old word processor. You know, because I felt like God had something he wanted me to say. And, and I wouldn't stop until I got the ability to write it down. So Because he wanted to say it. I, it was precious to me. Because God was saying it to me. You know, not because I thought I could make a million dollars off of it. Or I was going to get rich off. That's so wrong. So wrong. That's God is do much more than than what we give him many times, folks. And sometimes we need to grow up because you can only be a baby for so long. My goodness, when are you going to start understanding that there's something due God from your life? You're not here just to grab it all yourself. This isn't a grab. You know, it says the voice of the Lord is upon the waters. He's a mighty God. Are you kidding me? You're not going to give him what's due him? You know how mighty he is? You know what he could do to you? If he, if he ever really took you seriously? That you were trying to throw him leftovers? He says the voice of the Lord is powerful. He says full of majesty. He says even his voice. Have you, have you heard the, the, the ocean roar? All day and all night without stopping? You got me? He created that. That's a part of him. God is present in all of his creation. You can't make something without it re- being a reflection of you in some way. Huh? I was watching uh, Ted Ellis has, has said some paintings on Facebook. And you can always tell his stuff. You know, it's a reflection of his, his knowledge of the history of the people that he paints. You can always tell, you know, I mean, that's, it's a reflect. He created this, but you can tell him. It's a reflection of who he is and how he sees things. And so it's the same thing with God. The fact that that ocean roars is letting you know that that's part of God's voice. Thunder is part of God's voice. You got me? The thunder couldn't thunder if God didn't have that in him. He couldn't impart to something. You can't impart to something you create what you don't have. These are a reflect. These are parts of him. These are expressions of who he is. He says the voice of the Lord breaks the cedars of Lebanon. 
You know, there was the, the mighty trees that they had growing out of the desert. He said, the voice of the Lord divides the flames of fire. God's voice is, is, can still fire. The voice of the Lord shakes the wilderness. The Lord shakes the wilderness of Kadesh. The voice of the Lord makes and also makes the hinds or the, the cows to, to have their babies to calve. See? So it's, it's tender. You see, God speaks to them when it's time to give forth. He speaks to them when it's time to bring forth. So the voice of God can be gentle enough to handle the birth of a precious life. See, it just comes forth at the command of God. It says the voice of the Lord, and he discovers the forest. And in the temple does everyone speak of his glory. In other words, in God's house you speak of the glory of God. There's a dignity that comes to God's people when they're in the house of God. You know, there's there's something there that, that you know, uh, that has, there has to be a reverence. There has to be a desire to be reverential. You know, don't ever come into God's house and be casual and just bring your old street conversation in and, you know, talking on the phone and all that kind of stuff. And just because we haven't officially started the meeting, always have set up in your heart and your mind some kind of, I'm going to leave this out here. It's time to get into God mode right now, lest I miss something that he has for me. You know, believers in the book of Acts, when you see those believers gathered together. There wasn't a bunch of shenanigans. When Paul saw it going on, he wrote letters to stop it. You know, when they said they were coming together for a love feast and they were probably having food fights and arguing about who got the most and all that, it's, you know, leave that street stuff outside and take on a dignity when you come into the house of the Lord. You understand when I say dignity? You understand what I'm saying? Let's let's dress it up a little bit and not be so casual about it. You know, this isn't like your everyday thing that you do. This is something precious and this is something that's due God. The respect and the honor and the understanding that we're engaged in something that's precious and honorable. You know, you don't have you don't need to dress it down. You know, I'm not saying wear these big hats and act like you're going to some fashion show. Come on now. I'm not going there. But I'm saying there's something that needs to be reflected in your heart and your attitude toward God. Understand what's due him. Don't ever go through your life shying away from understanding an obligation to God to respect him in a certain manner. Do you understand what I'm saying? Uh, This is something that, that... you know, Christians just don't think this way. We think like heathens in a lot of ways. We're always wanting this and wanting that. And I got to get this. And I'm confessing the word because I got to get, got to get, got to get, got to. We don't even act like heirs. We act like street people. Like we don't know we've. We don't know God. We don't know we're loved. We don't know we have certain things that we can count on God for. We we don't understand these things. When you understand these things, you know that he has them for you and you, you're dignified about it. You allow yourself to live a life that's not excessive and that's not necessarily ostentatious because you have the means to do it, but you live in a manner Befitting him. What what does he expect me to do? What's he expecting 
out of me? What, what pleases him about the way I carry myself? What displeases him about the way I carry myself? What, what, are, what are the things that are a glory and a reflection and outshining? You got me? That, that he, people know that I belong to him. You know, we don't have dress codes anywhere, but that has to come from inside you. That has to come from what you think about you and your God. He had vestments that the priests wore. Certain things they were allowed to wear when they were in his service, in the service of the Lord. And you can't tell me he's not expecting some kind of dignity appearance standard out of his ministers. And you see these crazy people get up in anything and, you know, I mean, come on now. You've you got to think more about God than that. you got to think about him on a continual basis. You gotta, you gotta really think about these things. You, there's this. Listen, this time out for this casual, this hippie attitude. Let's go into church in jeans, and we got saved in jeans. You need to come out of them at some point because there's a dignity that comes on every human being where you understand you're the outshining of the glory of God. You represent Him, and you gotta understand what represent really means. It's not always just a personal choice and fashion and all that kind of stuff but there is a way to present yourself to the world that's unoffensive it's not edgy where people don't have to to really reach to find God you understand what I'm saying they got to filter through all your stuff to, to figure out where God is in your life we don't live like that folks we don't live. Jesus paid too high a price to dignify his bride with garments and glory. When I say glory, I mean things that make you believe within yourself that God has lifted you up to a higher place than you were when you got saved. You got me? These, you know, b- bikers for Christ and all this imitating the world kind of stuff. Come on, folks. I mean, we need to grow up. We really need to grow up. Because there are certain things do God. Certain things are not, not worthy of, of us taking the chance that people might get confused with what they see in us. And not know that God sent us. Not be comfortable with us praying for them. Inviting them to church or anything like that. This is, it's time out for these goofy games. Where we try to, we ride the edge trying to be so much like the world. We don't even know where we are anymore. You know, rappers get old. And when they get old, they put on suits. You know, put on clothes, take them stupid caps off. And you understand what I'm saying. It just, you know, after a while, it's just, come on now. Well, you got to think more about what's do him. What's do him. The bride is the, the glory of the husband. The Bible says that. Paul even went so far as to talk about the woman's hair being a covering for her. And in, in a, a place, a something of dignity. You know, and you see, you know, these women don't want to comb their hair and and just shave it all off and keep fighting over hair. You know, and I'm thinking to myself, come on now, is you're a Christian, just move on to 
weightier issues in life. Why are you stuck back there making a big deal out of that? Uh, you're either a person that feels the dignity of God in your life. And see, so the people like that are missing something. They, they miss something basic about the goodness of God that they never really embraced and incorporated. Because once that's in you, there's an outshining of it in some way. When I was married, I sought to, to please my husband in the way that I appeared, the way I talked, the way I talked around his friends, around his work people. He's, there's, that was due him because I was married to him and he was going somewhere in life and I was a helper, not a hindrance. Amen. That's right. That's right. Amen. Amen. You're either going to help or you're going to hinder, folks. And we've got to be helpers in the cause of Christ. There's not too much that we can't put aside to help that effort. Sometimes people have to work too hard to get past some of our rough exterior to find God. You got me? Sometimes that's why we're not used more than we're used for God. You gotta understand these things. These things are due him. David understood what was due God. He always held that relationship in high esteem. He held it in a place where it wasn't pulled down and dragged down and made comfortable for him. It was held up. We need to do more holding up. God's done enough to accommodate us, folks. We gotta start accommodating him. Let's grow up. Quit this nonsense. You know? I know there were certain things when I was first married, there were certain things I did. And after a while, my husband began to talk to me about them. You know? This is, you know, where he'd give you that look and you knew not to do it again. You know, we, we work by looks and <laughs> we work by looks and all that kind of stuff, you know? Because you're trying to work together and build a life as one. You're not pulling against each other all the time. And trying to, you know, all this kind of nonsense. I can remember uh, sometimes I work with women. Oh, my husband hates it when I get my hair cut. And he's not been doing it, so I cut my hair. You know, all this. It's, let's grow up. Come on now. The, the years of pulling back and forth like that. You know, playing games. We're not in a game here. This is life. We're, we've got to bear fruit for him. You got to grow up to the point where you can conceive and bear fruit and bring it to life mature. And he can use you wherever and whenever you are. So you, you start to understand these things about God and how he operates. And you, you embrace that. You know, I'm, I'm moving in my life to a place of greater dignity. And I have to honor God. I really have to honor him and think about what am I doing to honor him so that I shine forth his glory. And so he says, <clears throat> the voice of the Lord, he's a powerful God. He's a gentle God because he even his voice even tells the, the, uh, uh, the animals when to mate, when to bring forth, all of that stuff at God's voice. The Lord sits upon the flood. He sits upon, he's a king forever. He's a king forever, but he doesn't lord it all over us. He loves it. He condescends to us. He knows what we go through. He knows we got goofy ideas. He knows we're dust. He knows we're we're uh, reluctant sometimes to uh, try and and think of ourselves 
is more than what we were when we first got saved. But he thinks of us that way. And when you when you serve God, you got to carry the whole package. You know, you, you can't just have part of it and not the other part. I, I can remember uh, my husband had a boss. And uh, this guy was a hard worker. Uh, he was a good boss, and, and my husband liked him. You know, he's one of those likable guys. And he he always, the way they would interact many times is that the boss would invite the, the men that he managed. They were managers as well. He would, they would invite them either to a party or something like that. And many times they liked to do it at their homes because that was part of what, you aspire to you got me say for instance if if um, you're wanting to be the top-notch guy in the department the top-notch guy would kind of take you under his wing now their discipleship is very much more serious I think than we have in church you know you can disciple somebody for 10 years and then they go and start backstabbing you and go run somewhere and you know they think they're off doing something better you understand what I'm saying because uh, in church it's a spiritual thing we're fighting spiritual battles but in that setting there were many of them that you know they were just traditionally have everybody over everybody in their department and so many times you know you go out and you say boy did you see the house they had you know blah, 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 what, what's he make you know he said man if I could get there you know and you were encouraged it was a natural kind of a natural thing and so as managers and bosses they realized they had to make their lives available to people that they managed that was just part of it and he had this boss and the guy was really nice and his wife was a total embarrassment so she had a drinking problem he still tried to play the part but then there's this part of him that don't fit won't fit can't fit and needs help you understand what I'm saying and so God doesn't want to feel that way about us we do fit we have help but we've got to know that we're called to a higher place of dignity got me and one of the things that that Aubrey found out after a period of time he says you know he he told me one time he said I said what is wrong with his wife he says huh damn that was a long you know we, oh that was a long meeting you know I can tell when he takes his tie off in the car before you get home it's like, this thing's killing me I'm dying you know why because you just weren't comfortable it's not the tie it was a situation and he said, he said, I feel bad for him. And she said, I just, he said, I really like that guy. He said, but he said, I don't know. He said, and he's, you know, they got kids. And he, he says, you know, you don't tell people to leave your crazy wife. You know, he said, but she needs help. And he said, after a while, he said, you know, he said, he told me his wife never wanted him to go any farther than running a machine when he was back running the machine, you know. And this man was a smart man and he got. You know, I mean, why can't you, as as the bride, understand you're going with him? He needs you to help him because if you don't take on that dignity and start to be a help, you're going to kill it at some point and be a deterrent for people. You got me? I don't care how big your ministry is. 
if you're carrying something that doesn't honor God, it's not as big as God would want it to be. There's some people that are turned off by your lack of understanding who you represent and who you are. Liberties that people take, you know, where, well, God doesn't care about this. You better ask him and make sure whether you know if he cares or not. You understand what I'm saying? He's still God. He's much bigger. Those of you who are so great in your own eyes, he's much bigger than you are. You got me? He's, he's that way. And there are certain things that are due him. And I think the body of Christ needs to get beyond our hippie roots of just, you know, coming to God casual just as I am. But yeah, but you don't stay that way because you're on your way to glory and dignity and honor. You don't stay the way that you started out because if you try to, you're going to find yourself backpedaling. You got me? A lot of men start looking at somebody else. Because the wife refused to assume the dignity that he wants to place on her. You got me? It's just that way. Sad but true. So we don't want to be that type of bride. We want to be the type of bride that can can step up. You know, step up and receive the dignity that God wants to give us. So his voice reflects his power. He's a powerful God. Don't ever play him cheap. Don't ever put him down on a human level. Verse 10, he says, the Lord sits upon the flood. Yeah, the Lord sits king forever. He's a king, but he doesn't lord it over us. He allows us the opportunity to give to him. So much better to give than to receive. And that you know that you're voluntarily offering up to God something that's precious to him. He says, the Lord will give strength unto his people. <clears throat> the Lord will bless his people with peace. Isn't that a great blessing? No worries. No cares. No anything. Peace is your blessing from God. And so we need that. We need that peace lets you know that it's all good. You don't have any kind of nervousness about who you are in Christ. How are we doing, Miss Wana? What you got? What we got? Seven. I don't think that's enough time to get into this next one. Well, the other thing, the next area. In the spirit of David, David desired fellowship with God and knew the power of God's presence. I mean, if I don't get through it all, we'll just save some for. In Psalm 16, you know, God taught me something through my marriage. I was married for almost 30 years. And, and he taught me how some of the similarities between our relationship with him because I was in my marriage taking notes got me I desired to have a marriage that was peaceful and that, that where we got along we we lived the maximum life that we could in God and that I began to understand the importance of bringing God in to every relationship that you have. And so sometimes when I get on this thing, I'm on it. You understand me? Because I'm very much aware of how in this society we devalue marriage. And if you devalue marriage, you devalue the husband, the wife, the children, the family society you chop everything down to be being non-important and not worth investing much time in I think many times people tend to look at one another too much as individuals and not as they're a part of me they're one you got me 
and and you can hurt that partner and that that spouse not knowing and keeping in mind that they're a part of you and so when i started to read things like no man ever hated his own body i thought oh boy that's an eye-opener he loves his wife got me the devil comes in to try and hide that and rob that family of that foundation of love dignity and respect and so God wants to bring that to his bride and bring that to people bring that to people in respecting and understanding marriage and understanding how important it is for that couple to grow together in knowledge understanding and in peace Bobby, you've got to have peace. You can't have any kind of relationship without peace. He's, don't be the person that always wants to ruffle and stir things up. Learn how to lay that down. You go, just, you know, we all know you can do it, but you don't have to do it. You don't have to prove anything to anybody. You, you learn how to be a peaceful person, you know. Um, um, just just learn that you know there's a bond of peace over all of us and we can bring peace and dignity uh, into a situation because it needs peace it just needs it you know sometimes you'll get in situations and you'll you'll sense the the disturbance there and it's because God has given you that that ability to bring peace into a situation and you got to know how to get in there with that and bring that there bring a settling bring a, a harmony so that everybody feels comfortable everybody feels the dignity everybody feels uh, important everybody feels the presence of God you know you, you have to kind of bring that with you because it, there's so much trouble out here in the world for people you know things escalate far beyond where they're supposed to escalate because God's people don't know how to be on God's side you know in situations and carry that settling that peace that understanding you know I was thinking about that uh, a gentleman I, I um ministered to but behind a curtain in my dad's room you know as a little roommate guy that when I went to visit my dad and I thought about all the the spiritual forces that collide around illness and sickness and there's fear and there's condemnation there's death hanging over and all of that and then when people come together and they're bickering and eh, you know, all that kind of stuff and I was standing on the other side of that curtain and, and I just felt the presence of God begin to well up around me you, you understand what I'm saying that peace that comes and you know it's got to have an effect and it can't have an effect until you find out how to work with it you know and, and what you're to do some maybe you have to do nothing but if you have to speak you have to speak and so uh, the man was asking about salvation and this girl was telling, well, I know all about the Bible. And she's just quoting scripture and you know, all this kind of, I said, well, look at Jezebel. You're ready to take somebody to hell with her. You know, you know she's not saved. And um, then there was another gentleman. He was pretty neutral. But this man was crying out for God and she was giving him religion. And yes, you don't need that. You need this. And let me tell you what the Bible. And I'm thinking, man, devil, you working hard to get people out of here the wrong way. You know? And so I just began to speak up and I wasn't talking to her. 
You understand what I'm saying? You talk to who God tells you. I could have told her, shut up and get out of here and throw her out, whatever, whatever. But it, it wasn't for her. She already knew her role. And I, when you begin to move with God, he begins to descend on a place and bring what he wants. He's king and lord of all and when he has servants that that know him and understand he he wants you to be king and lord of all and i have a habit sometimes if if i'm going somewhere i go you know rough, rough put shades on you know the old uh uh model tricks you know put on some shades and maybe put a little lipstick or something on it you look Put that hat on there and pull it down and look fashionable and just go on in there. You know, hope they don't tell you to take the coat off or sit down and have lunch. You know what I'm saying? And, and <laughs> probably was one of them times that's where God had the curtain up there. I'm just a barrier curtain. I felt like a priest in a confessional. You know, it's just kind of funny after I got away from there and thought about it. But I talked to that man through that curtain and led him to Christ. And the peace increased. Every time I opened my mouth, the peace increased. The peace, and, and then eventually began to work on him and touch him and touch his heart and touch his mind. And he got an assurance of his acceptance before God. But see, the devil will send people, and, and, and you know, I don't know if he lived beyond that, you know. I felt to ask him if I could. I said, can I shake your hand? And so I, he said, okay. He was crying. And I put my hand kind of through the curtain, you know, but I pulled it back a little bit. And he wasn't looking good. You know, I mean, he had bandages, wounds, tubes, everything. I could never see any of that. And I don't doubt that he didn't have much longer to live after that. Do you understand me? When God sends you in peace... He has to send somebody who knows what time it is and knows you don't go the Roman road. You don't go a lot because he got scripture over there. This sister's whooping it to him up one side and down the other and he's getting nowhere. And he knows he doesn't understand salvation because he keeps crying out. I want to know. I'm, I don't need to know. I know you know that, but I need to know about salvation. Am I saved? Can I get saved? Do you understand me? And so when God starts to move to bring peace into us, we are his peacemakers. We are not there to stir things up, to take sides, tell, get in a fight and escalate things worse than what they are. We are there and we're not there to cover it up and say, oh, it's going to be all right. It ain't going to be all right because you may not have tomorrow. In a hospital, you don't know who's having their last day. But God will bring that, folks. He's got to have a bride who walks in a continual knowledge. And I'm not trying to lift myself up. But you know what? I know God and I know he's not putting up with a lot of this nonsense I see in his high servants. You got me? This is baloney, what we're seeing in a lot of places. Because it's not winning the lost. It's not getting people helped. It's not winning the homosexual. You don't win the homosexual by telling him he's okay. You win him by telling him, you know what? If you feel bad about that, that's a good thing. And I'm not the one to make you feel better unless you want to receive Jesus as your Savior. You understand me? We've gotten so far away from where we're supposed to be. Why? Because we're still trying to find out who we are. We're still trying to fit in. We're still trying to, you understand what I'm saying, be worldly. Nonsense. We're just as confused. 
<laughs> Some of us. But we're working on it. See? When you hear the word, you understand the spirit of David. You start to work on these things. Because you know David with all his faults. He wasn't somebody who played God cheap. He wasn't somebody who tried to be pals with God. He wasn't somebody who tried to misrepresent God in any way. He had too much high regard for him. These writings reflect a man who has a very high regard for God. And maintained that no matter what situation he was in. He wanted to maintain that high regard for God. No matter what situation he was in. So... David's spirit, folks, can learn a lot. And just meditate on these and say, God, I want that. I want to feel about you the way he feels about you. I want to make sure that when I come before you, I'm not coming before you just barely getting in there and offering you cheap stuff and a bunch of excuses for why I haven't done what you told me to do and why I won't let you get into those areas of my soul that need to be, you know, cleaned up and, and understood. You got me? I want to be what you want me to be. And that spirit's available to us, folks. It's available. Father, we thank you for allowing us to understand who you are and what you want us to do. And We're your bride, Lord. We're grown up. We're grown, Father. We, we know that. We want to operate in that so much. And we thank you, Father, for blessing us to be a part of this great body of believers worldwide. Your children are everywhere over this world. Thank you that we have that large of a family. We're included, embraced in the beloved of God. We thank you for that, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Praise God. If you need prayer, come up and I'll pray for you. Praise the Lord.